Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. Well, the title of my sermon this morning, if you have your lesson sheets, is called His Presence, God's Presence, and Your Face, O Lord, I Shall Seek is the title of the lesson today. And notice the statement by the disciple, Your Face, O Lord, I Shall Seek. Listen to the commitment there and the power that comes from that commitment of a disciple. And so this morning, as we're going to read through the passage of Scripture in the book of Psalms in chapter 27, I'll have you turn there with me right now. Um, As I was prayerfully working through the passages of Scripture regarding the presence of of God and the power that we have in the presence of God, uh, this, this psalm jumped off the pages and based upon our present cultural situation, our societal situation in the United States with this, this uh, 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 civil unrest and the, the rioting and the looting, this passage of scripture, uh, I felt, was so important for the church. But also, too, it would be a great passage of scripture to pray for our first responders. And as I shared earlier, uh, it was uh, uh, a conversation with a dear friend, uh, Liz Doyle, coming to find out that uh, Captain Chris Doyle, uh, a man that I know and have worked with in the last several years in the Honoring Our Thin Blue Line program, uh, was a, a believer in the Lord. And so I texted him and said, I, I really encourage you to read the first three verses of Psalms 27 and the last four verses of Psalm 27, so that you might be greatly encouraged in the service that you provide for our community, but also know that you're serving the Lord in doing that. And so for us as Christians, as men and women in the Lord, it's so important for us to recognize this psalm is actually talking about us. And you'll see that it's prophetic of the church. And so I pray that you'll embrace the truths that we're reading this morning about the church of Jesus Christ. So let's let's read. The Lord is my light, And my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life, whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock, and now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and be gracious to me and answer me. When you say, seek my face, 
My heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. Uh, You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Now, if you listen carefully, you'll see how there are four sections in this psalm, and each of the four specifically addresses a heart issue of the disciple. And so this morning, as I begin, I'm going to read the few verses from each section. And if you'll take your note sheet, or if if you're taking notes on your own, let me share with you what the four sections are. In the first few verses, uh, verses 1, 2, and 3, The Lord, you are my light and my confidence. What a powerful statement that is. And so I want to share a little bit about the Lord being our light and our confidence. Now, the second point this morning is found in verses four through six. And that the title of that section is, Lord, your house is my refuge and my hiding place. And you know, the house of the Lord is actually the church of the living God, the tabernacle, the temple. The tent, the house of the Lord, all of those are names for the church of the living God. And so my prayer is, is that we will see that as actually speaking about who we are as the house of God. Now, the third point this morning that we'll be talking about is the statement right out of the scriptures. Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Now, I don't know if you remember uh, from several weeks past when we started this series, but the word presence, pa na, is the Hebrew word, and it actually means to turn the face toward. And so this word, O Lord, your face I shall seek, talking about I will seek your presence in my life. And the power of his presence is what's going to give us the courage that we need in these unsettling times. Look at the last point, point number four. Lord, Teach me your way and to wait for you. And I have to be honest with you, as much as I'm excited about speaking about the presence and the power of the Lord in our lives, this last statement really was one that I needed to hear. And I think most Christians do. And I think when we get to the end, you're going to see why. Uh, I think all of us need to take note of that last section in regards to uh, the Lord. And so let's begin this morning by reading once again verses 1, 2, and 3 and looking at point number 1. Lord, you are my light and my confidence. The Lord is my light and and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Do you hear the the, the voice of the disciple? 
committed fully to the service of the Lord? I'm going to ask some questions this morning to teach. And I don't know if you noticed that Jesus always asked questions of people to draw them out, to cause them to think about themselves and where they were at in regards to their their life and their service in the kingdom. And so I want to do that this morning. So my first question for this first point, Lord, you are my light and my confidence. Do you fear and have dread in regards to what's happening right now in our society, in our culture? I have to be honest with you. There's a young lady that's uh, friends of many of the young people in our church. And when I found out that the riots were going on right next to her, her house, I was very concerned for her and I asked a prayer for her protection. And I was eager to find out if everything was okay with her. And so I'm thankful to find out that everything was fine. But notice what happened when I realized that her life could have been in danger. I immediately sought the Lord's covering for her. Yes, I was concerned. But where do we find our confidence? Where do we find our help? Where do we find our hope? Of course, it needs to be in the Lord. Do you trust the Lord? I mean, really trust the Lord for your protection and your provision? We don't know what the future holds. I think all of us are are shocked at what this pandemic, the COVID crisis, I call it, has really created. I think there's hysteria still in in so many lives and, and businesses struggling. It's amazing to me. If we put our hope and our confidence in our businesses, in our ability to make money, our jobs, we may be sorely uh, uh, concerned down the road. We don't know what the future holds. But as the saying goes, we know who holds the future. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can put our confidence in him. For he is our protection and our provision. If you put your hope in anything else, your confidence will wane at some point in time or another, and fear will settle in. We need to build our lives upon the light and the life of Jesus Christ so that we will be rock solid. Is he your light? Meaning, is he the glory of your countenance? You know, when things begin to shake out, do you shake out? Or do you seek a greater presence and a greater power from the Lord. He will respond to his people. In fact, just recently I shared this, and it may have been during a a Sunday morning sermon, that there's a passage of scripture in the book of Proverbs in chapter 24 and verse 10. It says, when there is distress and your faith is weak, where is your strength? And of course, this COVID crisis brought about a lot of distress. And so I had to make a choice. Am I, as a leader in the the body of Christ, going to freak out and shut down? Or am I going to stand up and seek the Lord's presence and power and to move forward and make decisions that need to be made and to reach out to people that need to be reached out to rather than just focusing all the awful stuff that was coming my way? You see, Jesus did what? He sought the Father's will when things really started to shake out, didn't he? When he was in the garden, what did he do? He prayed fervently because he knew the horrors that had already happened and that were to come. Notice the man of God, the man of faith. That's who we are. 
Do you confidently live your life knowing that he is your defense and your protection? That's an important question. I want to invite you to read on your own these two passages of scripture. Would you write them down right now? In regards to, is the Lord my light and is the Lord my confidence? Read these passages of scriptures. I believe you'll be greatly encouraged by them. First Peter chapter three, verses 13 through 17. First Peter chapter three, verses 13 through 17. And you'll immediately realize why that's an important passage of scripture. I would also ask you to consider reading Romans chapter eight and verse 28. That's a powerful passage of scripture for God's people. And, and we need to embrace these scriptures as truth and then to rely upon them and to respond to them because these are really the passages that are going to help in these times. But now I want to turn to point number two. You see, the tabernacle, the tent, the house of God is the church. And so let's turn to uh, Psalms 27 and verses 4 through 6. And let's read it quickly, and then let's glean some things out of this by way of question and self-examination. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. I love that statement. Notice he wants to behold the beauty of the Lord in his temple. For in the day of trouble... He will, God will conceal me in his temple. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And I believe that rock is Jesus Christ. We can find our strength in Christ Jesus. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. I love that passage of scripture. That's who we are to be. Now, let me ask you a few questions in regards to the, the, this disciple's statement. I will seek the, the Lord in his house. Hmm. The church. Is your desire to be a vital and participating part of the Lord's house, his family, the church? Let me ask that question again. Are you uh, desiring and committed to be a vital and participating part in the Lord's church, his family, his temple? Is that your desire? My prayer is, is that your burning desire to participate in and use the wonderful gifts and talents and abilities that you have and invest them in building the kingdom. You know that the only thing that's going to survive the judgment day is the kingdom of God. It is eternal. And only those who are in the kingdom of God will pass through the judgment day and will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Should we not then desire to be a vital and participating part in the kingdom? This disciple says, oh Lord, I, I seek I seek your house, the desire. My prayer is we would examine ourselves and ask the question, is Christ first? Is his family also a priority? What did Jesus say? 
He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things in this life will be added to you. Are you seeking the kingdom first? Jesus said that we ought. And this disciple here is saying his commitment is to seek the kingdom first. Do you behold the beauty of the church body or do you focus on the problems and the imperfections in people? I mean, serious. I'm asking that question. This guy says, man, I behold the beauty of the Lord in his church. You see, I love seeing brethren excited and, and involved and participating. I love it. And you know, none of us are doing it perfect every single time. But have you ever noticed sometimes there's a guy or a gal in the church that all they can talk about is what you or somebody else did wrong? That's messed up. That's not a part of the heart of Christ. We need to be about the business of catching people in the act of doing the great and awesome things of the Lord. We really do. And that's what this disciple's mindset is set on. Is that what your mindset is set on? To be a vital and participating part, a positive, vital and participating part in the kingdom of God, his church? I pray that you are, especially in difficult times like right now. Amen? That's so important. If you put Christ and his family as highest priority in your life, you'll be blessed and your sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving and sharing and caring will be spontaneous and real. Let me say that once again. And let's read this passage of scripture right at the end here. Uh, verse six. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Notice he says he's going to offer sacrifices in the church of the living God. What sacrifices? What sacrifices are Christians called to make in the church of the living God? Well, take a look with me in the book of Hebrews in chapter 13. Hebrews in chapter 13, two little verses, so powerful, talking about Christians and the sacrifices Christians are to make. So Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. We are royal priests, the scripture says. And, and I'm going to ask you to read that on your own uh, in 1 Peter 2. Well, well, I'll give that to you in just a moment. But look at the sacrifices we're supposed to offer up in the context of the church. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect in, in doing good and sharing. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. As I've shared before, I want to share again. Until this crisis is over, and it seems like we have two crises now, we should be even more reaching out and seeing how our brothers and sisters in Christ are doing. And if there is a financial need, help them out. If there's an emotional need, visit and, and contact them and encourage them. If there's a physical need, if you can help do it, do that. Remember to be a vital, participating, and positive part in the kingdom. That's what this disciple's mindset is here in Psalms 27. And that should be our mindset as well. But where does our power come from? The third point in my lesson. The third point in this passage of scripture. Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Let's read 
that passage. Going back to the book of Psalms in chapter 27. Psalms 27. Beginning in verse 7. Psalms 27, beginning in verse 7, reading down through verse 10. This is the third section. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Lord, Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Again, let me ask some questions uh, about you and your commitment as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And by the way, these are questions I asked myself as I was working on the lesson. And I have to tell you, when you self-examine, it can get kind of painful sometimes. But please, I pray you'll self-examine so that we can be the people that God can empower us to be. And so here's the first question. How is your prayer life? We're saying, well, that's a weird question. Well, not based upon this disciple statement. Hear, O Lord, when I, when, when I cry with my voice, be gracious to me and answer me. Notice this man is continually crying out to the Lord. And so I asked the question, how's your prayer life? Notice we just read a passage of scripture from 1 Thessalonians and chapter 5, verse 16 and 17 and 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Brethren, how's your prayer life? Oh, prayer is so hard. I feel like I'm just talking to the air. Well, maybe you need to work on your faith and recognize that God is ever-present but we need to call out to him as our hearts then are united with his heart as we appeal to him and praise him and thank him. It builds our relationship and the power then comes in that relationship. In times of distress, where is your focus? As I said, when, when I was concerned about Julia, the very first thing I did when I heard that she lived right next to the rioting, I immediately prayed first and then I asked uh, to find out how she was doing. And I also considered getting in my pickup and grabbing a couple of my boys and driving down there. I didn't know what to expect, come to find out. It was really bad for people who drove down there as trucks were stopped and people were beaten and things like that. But that that is what I thought. So, so, so important for us, how's your prayer life? Do you immediately go to God when things start to shake out? We ought as his people, knowing that he's our power. And he's always present. And he loves to hear his children come to him. I remember when my sons were little, I loved it when they had come to me and asked me for help. Now they're men. And now I'm asking them for help. <laughs> Which is great. Nothing wrong with that. But uh, so important, you see. So, let me continue with verse 8. Verse 8 is so powerful here uh, in this passage. Uh, verse 8 and 9. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you. Listen to that. Wow, what heart love and, and motivation. Uh, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. What a powerful statement. The Lord desires 
for you to seek his face. The Lord desires for uh, you to always turn to him and recognize who you are and where you are, seated with him in the heavenly places. Now remember, the, the, the Hebrew word here means to turn the face towards. And, and God really does want you to turn to him. You say, well, he's invisible. <laughs> well, yes, but he's ever present for God is spirit. So how am I supposed to do that? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. How are you to turn your face to the Lord? Remember what the, what the scripture says? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. For the hope set before him, he endured this cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the Father. You see, we need to recognize that we can fix our eyes on Jesus. But again, that that, that brings us to the question, how do I do that? How do I look face to face in the face of Christ Jesus? Well, remember, spiritually speaking, where are you and I seated? Where are we? We're, we're seated far above all rule and authority. We're seated to the right hand of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So we can see the face of God, but it's we need to do it in a spiritual way. How do you do that? How do you see the face of God? Turn with me to the book of, of uh, and we're going to come back to Psalms 27, but Second uh, Corinthians. Second Corinthians. And some of you are very familiar with this passage of Scripture. Second Corinthians and chapter 3. And we're going to read verse 18. Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. A familiar passage to many. Maybe not to all, and yet this passage of Scripture is so critically important for us to be empowered with the power that we find in Christ Jesus. Now, we have been preaching on the power in us is Christ's power working through us, through His Holy Spirit, amen? And, and we have, we've talked about that we were seated with Him in the heavenly places where the seat of all power is, in God. And so take a look at this passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. Notice what Paul says here. He says, but we all, speaking of Christians, but we all with unveiled face, meaning we're no longer bound up by the flesh, but we are in the spirit. And you can study that to, to confirm that that is truly the case. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, his magnificent character of courage and confidence and strength and patience and mercy and grace. All of those are present in his glory. It says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. The Bible says that you, Christian, are filled with the fullness of deity, meaning God in his fullness has made his abode, his residence in you. You can find that in John chapter 14 and verse 23, along with a whole bunch of other verses. But it's important for us to recognize that the God of the universe that created the universe is the God who dwells within you. And you can literally recreate the man or woman that you are by looking into the mirror. And if you study the mirror, it literally means the New Testament. The New Testament. You're a new creation. And you use the New Testament 
as the standard of your life and there is great confidence and great courage if you recognize that you are in Christ and Christ is in you. And so when it says, oh Lord, I will seek your face, notice God says, seek my face. And the disciple says, Lord, I will seek your face. How do you seek his face? A question I ask then is, how is your Bible reading doing? Oh, I mean, do you invest yourself in not only just reading, but meditating on God's word? Uh, it's so important for you to, to develop a habit of coming before the Lord and listening. I don't know about you, but I love the passage of scripture in the Gospel of John in chapter, uh, I think it is chapter 12. I don't remember where it's at, but it's in John, and you'll know immediately what I'm talking about, is John shows up at Mary and Martha's house, and uh, Martha's in there, and she's just cooking away and getting everything ready for the spread, because it's Jesus with his apostles, and guess what Mary's doing, slacker? You know what she's doing? She's at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. And when Martha comes in and says, Lord, Lord, tell Mary to get up and help me in the kitchen. And what does the Lord say? He says, oh, Martha, Martha, you are worried about so many things. But there's really only one thing that's important. And Mary has chosen that one. And that's to be at the feet of the Lord and listen to his teachings. We should be like Mary. We should listen to the Lord. We should look into his face and see the love and the grace and the mercy and the courage and the compassion and the resolve and the commitment that the Lord has because he has given us the fullness of his glory in our bodies. And if we continually look at the mirror of the New Testament and see the man and the woman that we are, we'll know that we are patient, that we are courageous because we look to Jesus and follow his example. That's why it says, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. If we don't spend time in the New Testament and searching the Old Testament to find prophecies of the church like we are doing this morning, we will be very weak and ineffective in serving the Lord. We need to know who we are and where we are in order to be empowered. I think that's the problem in the church is that we don't really know who we are and we don't know where we are and we don't fully understand who's in us. Now that's not condemning. That's just a statement of the church needs to rise up and be this reckoning force of goodness, righteousness, and truth that's going to draw all men and women unto Christ. We are able in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul's in prison and he says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. Was the gospel going out even with Paul in prison? Oh, yes. In a mighty way. So we too. We're free men right now, free women right now. We have plenty of freedom to send forth the gospel message and to live the life. The power of seeking his face in the scriptures is so important. And notice in this last part of Psalms uh, 27 and uh, verse 10, for my father and my mother have forsaken me. 
What a sad fact that relatives in this world might not come alongside and help in time of need. But notice what it says there in that last verse. But the Lord will take me up. Why do we turn to others or ourselves in times of distress? Because it's comfortable. We, we do it all the time. Why do we turn to others and ourselves? You ever try to solve your own problems? I don't know about you, but I've tried to do that a lot. And you know what ends up happening? I make the mess bigger. And finally, it gets so big, I finally go, Lord, I need some help. And I can only imagine the Lord smiling with a little fatherly smile. I'm glad you came to your senses. <laughs> I'm here for you. I've been here for you since this thing started. So, you know, we really do need to allow the Lord to lift us up. That's a choice that we have to make, though, in humbling ourselves and coming to him. And that's a beautiful transition to the last section in this sermon. And that's section number four. Lord, teach me your way to wait and to wait for you. Let's go back and read that last section. Very great section of scripture in the disciples' heart. Listen to the disciples' heart. I love this one. And as I shared with you before, this is the point that, ooh, really stung a lot for me. I don't know if it'll sting for you, but you know what? I don't mind when I get pricked by the scriptures. I know it's for my blessing. It's kind of like a surgeon with a scalpel, and we, we let them carve on us to make us better. And so the Lord, the, the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, and so it's going gonna, it's gonna to cut sometimes, but that's a good thing. So this is... Of all four parts, this is my part. And I don't know, maybe it will be yours too. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, Wait for the Lord. He says it twice. It must be important. It must be something that disciples struggle with. I don't know. But when I studied it out in Hebrew, I went, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I need to learn to wait for the Lord. Here we go. First question. A very important question. Are you teachable? And right along with that one, are you leadable? Or... Are you stubborn, rebellious, and self-righteous? Sorry. That's the question I asked myself when I read that. I went, huh, this disciple's heart says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in your level path. Do I always do that? You know, when I sit down to read my Bible, that's my mindset. But when someone tries to help me, a wise brother or sister in Christ, I have to be honest with you. My first initial reaction is, hmm. Wait a minute. This brother loves me and cares about me. And all of a sudden I get a little, a little, you know, tweaked a little bit. Wait a minute. The Lord is trying to speak through that good brother. So are you teachable? Are you leadable? We must come to him each day. And like Mary, as I talked about before, sitting at his feet, allow ourselves to be teachable. But once we're teachable, we need to be responsive. What does that mean? 
if you hear something that does kind of prick your heart, you need to be willing to yield and follow through. How many of you have Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 memorized? How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Notice it doesn't say he reads his Bible twice a day, once in the morning and once at night. It says, and in his word, his law, he meditates day and night. And he, because he does that, will be like a a tree firmly planted by streams of water, obviously flourishing, and will produce fruit in its proper season. Notice, you'll be responsive at the right time for people. And I'll tell you what, brethren, right now is the time for us to be responsive as Christians to people in their fear and their concern. Can I get an amen on that one? Absolutely. And so how important it is to be teachable as you come to the Word of God. And also, too, it's so important for us to recognize the blessings will come. If we will read and meditate and apply the Word of God to our lives, the blessings are going to come. God's guarantee. Now, why listen to and follow Christ's leading? Why? Well, verse 11 tells us why. Look at verse 11 once again. Teach me your your way, O Lord, and lead me in your level path because, I love the word because, why should I be teachable? Why should I be leadable by the Lord? Because there are enemies out there looking to destroy me as a Christian man. Do you honestly believe that? My personal belief is that what we see happening in our world and in our culture and in our society, and most particularly right where we live, is a satanic scheme for world dominion. The Bible actually says that. That Satan is going to bring all the armies of the earth up on the broad plain of the earth and surround the camp of the saints. Now he can't do that geographically. We're everywhere. So he's going to work to shut the mouth of the saints. He's going to work to shut the church down so that we cower in our houses. That's what I believe he's trying to do. But we need with great courage and great confidence in the power of the Lord to continue no matter what. The Apostle Paul was thrown in prison after being severely beaten. And what did he do? Singing praises to God. Rejoice always. In everything give thanks. Pray without ceasing. Sing with joyful shouting. That's what this says right here. Notice that's what we're supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to do. How can you do that if you don't see yourself as being that person? So, how important it is for us to be teachable. What do you put your hope in? What do you put your hope in? Take a look at verse 13. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I have to be honest with you. If you compare what we know about this world to what we perceive heaven to be, this is a cesspool. Even at the very best of this life, this life is a cesspool. You're saying, wow, God created a cesspool? No, man made it a cesspool. All right? You know, let's get it straight. God created a beautiful, beautiful world. Beautiful people. And man, (laughs) we made it a cesspool. Now, we can change that. 
becoming Christians and living the life, we can draw people out of the cesspool and into his marvelous light. Amen? Oh, by the way, would you write down 1 Peter? 1 Peter chapter 2. Write this down. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. I should have shared this with you before. I, I apologize. I feel a little neglect. I forgot to tell you this one. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. Now let's finish with the last part. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. The last little tiny point is verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. What does wait for the Lord mean? You know, I didn't know, honestly, before I did my study on this one. Wait for the Lord. The question I have is, are you willing to wait for the Lord or do you run ahead in your own wisdom and ideas? Wow, that burned me when I asked that question of myself. I've learned that when you ask questions as you read the scriptures, it helps you search for the answers. And so <laughs> I asked myself this question, are you willing to wait for the Lord or do you run ahead in your own, in your own wisdom and under, understanding? I'm not answering that publicly. I'm just letting you know. Okay? Ouch. Wait for the Lord is to be made strong and robust. The word wait literally means strong and robust. So think about that for just a minute. I see some quizzical uh, looks, and that's fine. That's okay. Wait for the Lord. Wait. Strong and robust is the Lord. Wait, in parentheses, strong and robust is the Lord. Now guess what? You can charge into the fray without the strength and the robust character of the Lord, and guess what is going to happen? You ever charged ahead in something in your life? I'm going to go. Haste makes waste. You've heard that one before. Okay. Why don't we wait for the Calvary? The Calvary will go with us. We need to recognize and understand to wait is not to sit there and go, okay, whatever. It's to seek his face so that the, the power, the strength, and the robust character of God will be ours, and then we can move forward. To wait for the Lord is to be made strong and robust through and by the presence of the Lord in every decision and in every action. If you wait a moment and say, what would the Lord do? And search the scriptures to find his way. As the beginning of this last section started, teach me your way, lead me in a level path. If we do that, are we going to be more successful according to building the kingdom versus trying to do it on our own strength? It doesn't work when we do it on our own strength. It's the Lord's kingdom, not yours, not mine. We need to build it according to the Lord's will and the Lord's way. Why don't we wait for him? You ever build something and have to tear it apart because you built it wrong? Mm -hmm. Ouch, yes, me too. Okay. If we're honest, we'll think, yeah, more than once. Let's wait for the Lord. Seek his face. Be empowered by his presence. Pray fervently and develop that relationship. You need to recognize to wait means not to run ahead into the battle without his wisdom and without his power. To wait means to set your mind on spiritual things such as the wisdom, precepts, and practices that we see in Christ Jesus, the man of faith. For we are called to walk by the faith of Christ. Amen? 
Well, let me conclude with this. Point number one, is your trust in the Lord and his word? Number two, is it your desire and practice to be a vital and positive participant in the Lord's church? Number three, how is your prayer life? Do you seek his face and his presence each day by looking into the mirror of the New Testament and seeing who you are empowered by the Holy Spirit of God and acting upon that self-image, the image of Christ in you? And finally, the last question is this. Are you teachable and leadable? Are you waiting for the Lord and his robust strength or are you running into the, the fray as a feeble, foolish, and fleshly person. But we really need to take a look at this passage of scripture and realize this is the heart of a disciple of Jesus Christ. And if we will follow through the power there is to change our circle of influence, the people around us, who knows someone might become a Christian and then become president of the United States. You're saying, that's funny. You don't know. We don't know. And so it's so important for us to be the salt and the light. Amen. How important that is. Well, now let's turn our attention to the one who has laid his life down for us. That we might come into his presence. That we might be the very image of Christ to this generation. I want to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 10 as we prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper. I've tried to, to select scriptures for the Lord's Supper that work with the sermon so that basically the whole sermon is the Lord's Supper meditation. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but I'm trying to do that. And so 1 Corinthians and chapter 10, and uh, I would like to read verses 14 through 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses uh, 14 through 17. The first verse is very important to set the stage for the Lord's Supper today. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak to wise men, you judge what I say. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, one church body, for we all partake of the one bread. The one bread is Christ. The one bread, the one cup is the sacrifice of Christ. So think with me for just a moment. Does the grape juice and the little unleavened piece of bread have any power in and of itself? What's the answer? No. The power comes from our participating in the actual sacrifice of Christ. They're saying, well, Jesus' sacrifice was already made on the cross. That's what the cup and the bread represents. But doesn't the scripture say that we are to make a like sacrifice? The Apostle Paul said that. I do my share on behalf of his body in filling up that which is lacking in Christ's afflictions. The Apostle Paul actually said that. Could we not say, I do my part, that vital participation in the body of Christ? that sacrifice of my time, talents, gifts, and resources to serve the body of Christ? Do I do that when I eat 
the bread and drink the cup. No, I'm remembering his sacrifice when I do that. And I'm making a, a, a praise and a thanksgiving that I am one of his kids. But I'm also making a commitment that I'm going to put the idol of self out of my life. Instead of running ahead, <laughs> instead of not being teachable, instead of not praying because it's hard, not reading because it's hard, no, I am going to be one who will sacrifice myself. Isn't that the heart of a, a true disciple? To sacrifice self for Christ first and then for his kingdom. For brothers and sisters in Christ and those who are not yet his. Like Frank. You see how powerful it is for us to remember the sacrifice. Because we don't want to forget it. Because we're either going to live out a sacrifice of Christ during the week or we're going to live out our, soul, our own self-indulgences this coming week. Which will it be? The sacrifice of Christ this week for others or the self-indulgence for me at the exclusion of others? See, the focus right now is thanksgiving for his life sacrifice and a commitment that our life would be sacrificed. Amen? Let's pray. I'm so thankful, Holy Father, for the blessing of your word. I'm so thankful for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. I would ask in his name that we would remember the sacrifice and what it has allowed us to become, children of the living God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. But Father, because of that, I pray that you would help us to remember throughout the week that as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, we are to live out the sacrifice of Christ for others. Help us to remember that now. Help us to praise you now and help us to serve you in the coming week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, once again, I want to thank you for joining us this morning. And uh, just as a reminder, uh, next week we'll be out at the church building uh, on Flathead Avenue in Pleasant Hill. And uh, if you are uh, online, that would be great. If you want to come out, uh, that would be wonderful as well. Um, please do bring your masks. Uh, I'm not saying that we have to wear them, but please bring them. And also, too, if uh, you'd be ready to stay in your family groups and have a little social distancing, uh, that would be great. Uh, finally, the assembly starts on Sunday morning at 1045. So we'll hope that you'll be there. And if not, we hope you'll join us uh, Facebook Live next week, 1045. Thank you very much and have a great week. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.